Here we go. Rejecting the screen. Noah Kozlov out here on the East Coast. Adam Stanko is out West. Just two plugged in dudes talking a little bit of hoops and <laughs> a little bit of life on this Tuesday. As we record this on Monday, you'll hear Going ISO, which comes your way every Thursday. This week, Kevin Nagandi, the Sports Center at 6 Eastern co-anchor, get into his career a bit and also his relationship with the city of Philadelphia, Kobe Bryant back in high school and the Philadelphia 76ers. And we appreciate all the nice feedback that we got after speaking with Earl Watson last week, a good friend of Kobe's who shared some really terrific stories and some personal stories. And then moving on to his time with Hubie Brown and it just became more and more hilarious from there. Adam, you good? I'm great. I'm great. It's uh, it's good to be back talking some some NBA and it's been a long long week but starting to feel back getting into the mix as as Kobe would have wanted right like the, the funniest part to me by the way of all this Kobe stuff and it does make me smile is that Kobe would be the first one saying let's get back to work there shouldn't be people sulking worrying about me what I care about is the work that's what we should be diving into that's the best way to memorialize me so let's go all right, so let's talk about Damian Lillard, who's doing some sort of Kobe impression here, because I remember all the way back in 07 when Kobe was on that run of six games and put up close to 300 points, and he was averaging over 48 a game. And back in 07, there was no Twitter, and we were all just texting each other, yo, Kobe, 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 making sure you're watching the games. And that was great. I loved that. I loved that part in January of 2007. And what Damian Lillard's doing now, 48.8 points per game over his last six. So he's got 61, 47, 50, 36, 48, and 51. He's shooting 55 on the floor, 57 from three, which is nuts. Eight of 14 from three every night. And most significantly, the Blazers have won five of six. And when you stretch it out, the Memphis Grizzlies are sitting there in the eighth spot, Blazers in nine. The Grizzlies have the toughest remaining schedule in the NBA. And the Blazers have one of the easiest, notwithstanding their schedule coming up before the All-Star break, which is very difficult, but post-All-Star break, it's fairly easy. You break this down two ways, I think, Noah. First off is what he's doing is just truly remarkable. And on the season, Lillard, first player ever with 29 points a game, seven assists a game, and 56% effective field goal percentage. Now, that's the field goal percentage that adjusts for the fact that threes are worth more than twos. You point out the numbers over the last six. It's incredible, the tear that he's on. The interesting part for me, though, you look at the Blazers' last five games, they're still giving up 120 points a game. They just happen to be shooting over 51% from the floor. So the second part is, it's it's Damian's been unbelievable, but is this team really that different than what they were before. And that was a very good offensive team that could become an excellent offensive team that's got McCollum, Dame as weapons, other guys who can shoot it. And then can they somehow hold their opponents to some reasonable number? Because they're really one of the worst defensive teams in basketball. So can they hold their opponents to some reasonable number? And if Dame is playing at this level and not just shooting it from three on the pace that he is, as you just described, the remarkable part for me, that 57% from three while making eight threes a game is just bananas. But they're still giving up a ton of points. And so, you know, recently you've had contributions. Gary Trent's been a guy that's shot it well. He's been another scorer that they've added to the mix. In their last 10 when they played well, 
three of those games, McCollum was missing. So, and Lillard shoots a really high percentage from the free throw line too. So you can't foul the guy. He's becoming unguardable, but it's how sustainable is this? Not just for the regular season, as you point out, as they're battling for Western Conference playoff spot. Grizzlies there in the A spot, but Spurs breathing down their neck. Suns eight and nine with DeAndre Ayton could put them potentially into the playoffs. Pelicans now have Zion back. So you look at all that stuff, and I just wonder how sustainable this is for the Blazers. A to get to the playoffs. And then if they do, could they actually challenge the Lakers or Clippers? I know certainly the Lakers would not want to see the Blazers in the first round, that's for sure. Yeah, but I also don't think that the Blazers could do anything against the Lakers in a in a playoff series either because the, the Blazers still haven't proven that they can win games consistently when Dame isn't doing historical things. Exactly. He's, he's the first guy in NBA history over a six-game stretch to average 45 and 10 assists. And coming up, they're at Denver. We're recording this on Monday. You're listening on Tuesday, maybe Wednesday, at Denver versus San Antonio at Utah on the back-to-back, home for Miami, at New Orleans, at Memphis on the back-to-back. So they got the Pels, Grizzlies on the road back-to-back right before the All-Star break. So we're going to learn a lot about where the Blazers go from here and even right before the trade deadline. And Trevor Reese has been really good for them. But where they go at the All-Star break, what the conversation is about the Blazers with their next six being at Denver, home for the Spurs, at Utah on a back-to-back, home for the Heat, at Pels, at Grizzlies on the back-to-back. And before the season, the headline for them was, from my standpoint, was maybe the Blazers are just good and they're not just overachieving all the time. I still think there's an opportunity for the Blazers to be seen as this is a good team because their schedule is really going to soften up down the stretch. And also could get a monster addition if Nurkic were to return and become a contributor and do more than just wear bad suits on the bench. I mean, if that's the case, then all of a sudden you could have a really unique situation. You also don't know how he'll blend in with Hassan Whiteside, you know, down low, but, but all of a sudden to have just a different look and certainly a guy that can contribute in multiple ways could be huge for them. It's just, I don't know that they're even the team that's going to be in that eighth spot come playoff time. All right, coming up. I love seeing Zion on the court. Really not much is more enjoyable in the NBA than watching Zion play, but he shouldn't be playing over All-Star Weekend. We'll explain next. So if you've been a listener to this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans, but you might not know that Locked On Pelicans is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Pelicans fans just like you or any other team. And unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners because here at Locked On, It's your team every day, all 30 teams. So a Locked On podcast listener is a predominantly male audience, well-educated, disposable income. So let's put your company right here on Locked On. Local fans love to support local businesses. Here's how it works. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. And we'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On Advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or just go to LockedOnPodcasts.com slash advertising. And we look forward to hearing from you. So I'm not going to go all Jackson Hayes on the (laughs) NBA assistant coaches. 
here. That was and this something. segment is that was something. This this segment is rejecting the screen. I know the program is called rejecting the screen, but this is where we kind of go against the the norms as we as we often do. I love watching Zion. It makes me so happy watching Zion. I also love when he dominates in the post and oh, maybe the Zion post up is an efficient play. And he was just destroying PJ Tucker in the post. It was I loved it. Ugh. But he gets a spot as an injury replacement for Wendell Carter. But he gets a spot on the Rising Stars game. And is the Rising Stars game an all-NBA selection? No. But I have a problem with it because of the very few games that he's played. And there are bonuses tied to these things. Mm-hmm. There are bonuses in shoe contracts tied to these things. So you're actually taking money out of the pocket of somebody else and you're being, as Zion is now, being rewarded and he's got bonuses too. So now he's getting he's getting even more money for barely playing and he's been terrific. I do think it's now leads to we need some sort of reform, some sort of guideline, something here so that, or maybe these bonuses should be taken out of contracts because when these things happen, then we've got some problems when guys are losing money and they shouldn't be. Yeah, and it's not as big a deal to me as when we see some of this ridiculous stuff with the All-Star game. Uh, because I think All-Star game also plays in not just with the bonus structure, but also you start to play into legacy stuff. And how, But I do think there's also yeah. another factor here, Noah, where it plays into something where it really means something to guys. So yes, there's a financial incentive to make to make these games to reach these accomplishments, but there's also something about participating in All Star Weekend and finding a way to be a part of it and earning your place there. And I look at Matisse Thybul, and he's a guy defensively that I think has really changed some things. And maybe he's not the selection that that should have been in there, but I think a guy like Matisse Thybul that it would have meant the world to 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 play in the coincidentally the the U.S. versus the world. Uh, rising stars challenge i think it would have been huge for him and and i'm in agreement with you i mean the talk i already started hearing so i heard a broadcaster i don't know if it was van gundy but i thought i heard a broadcaster over the weekend say hey we need to start talking about dying for the all-star game like that's what the yeah, fans want it. yeah stop i knew i, I knew that would get the, right, the it's, no and it's, but it's what the fit yeah the fans would want it but so then the fans could have voted Zion in precisely Precisely. And, and again, when, when all of a sudden people are voting for Taco Fall for the All-Star Game or Steph Curry for the All-Star Game for different reasons to get like, I, I just I don't know, like it bothers me on some purest level. I always look at look at the All-Star stuff differently. But I but I do think that there's something to be said, like, you know, we, we talked to Kevin Willis on the podcast a few weeks ago and, and Kevin was great and he's a great guy. One All-Star appearance playing over two decades in the NBA. And that one all-star appearance, I mean, he still nearly gets choked up when he talks about it. He knew he was playing like an all-star. He deserved it. His coach came to him with the news, and he, he couldn't believe it. He was super excited about it, and it's meant something. And he's been asked about it, and he's been introduced that way ever since. And so these things, while, yes, they're exhibition games, and yes, they're for the fans, they also really mean something to the players themselves, and I think we shouldn't take that part for granted. No, and I, and I do think that now that, so, uh, and then uh, the Goodwins 
since they weren't pleased with the you know, the agents, they weren't pleased with the selections, and then they went out and wrote a, they they released a statement about the assistance and capitalized ass. It's so now okay. So now assistant coaches can't vote, fans can't vote, the players have proven that they can't vote, and the media is not allowed. To, <laughs> the media is not allowed to vote. So who? So who is now? So is, this should just be up to. Who the commissioner just he now just decides everything? Yeah, because the commissioner's watching all the games every night and breaking down and you know the right, metrics. There's, there's got to be yeah. There's, I mean, there's got there's got to be some sort of balance, and I think that they've found a a, a good balance with all star voting, with how things with how things are weighted because it is for the fans. Mm-hmm. But when you do have such financial incentives for these guys aside from how good it feels to be there but when you have such financial incentives there then you're now taking money out of certain guys pockets yeah and Noah you can speak to this to this point and I I think this is a final point on this is that you can speak to the idea and look we both you said it we both love Zion and what he's going to do is remarkable what he's already done in a small sample size is unheard of it's historical we haven't seen a player that plays his style of basketball. So I'm such a Zion Williamson fan. I don't want to take that away at all. But you can speak to the fact that you used to be a part of the NBA, working in their offices. You've worked with players about public relations. That there is such a PR part of this too, and the politics that that goes along with every other part of American life. That 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 plays a role as as you just referenced. Oh yeah, I mean there's. You know, look, I mean, assistant coaches will talk to certain writers and then they'll tell you who should go in and then they start promoting those assistant coaches for jobs. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 so much that there's so much that goes into it. If only the if only the players actually knew or recognized it. All right. Speaking of Zion, though, open gyms next. All right, in open gym, we'll get the matchup of NBA draft prospects that Adam is most interested in as he's been nailing these and making sure that you're not just, since more than half the league is, should be looking at draft prospects at this point. <laughs> you're not missing that stuff and instead of just watching the NBA games. But I just, like, everything is just better with Zion in it. And again, we're recording this on Monday for Tuesday, and Tuesday night you'll get... Giannis v Zion and then I, I I mean I'm I'm all for now watching every Pelicans game just just to watch him and also you know that you're not gonna have to invest your entire night in the Pelicans game because Zion's not playing a ton of minutes but when he is playing he's as electrifying as and as exciting as it gets and you can see also what it's done for Alonzo Ball and I do hope that Brandon Ingram is able to get back to where he was. But if there's some sort of balance and they start winning some more games, it, it speaks to what the NBA had hoped for with the ratings when Zion is on national television. Oh, I, I mean, it's, it's incredible that the league is, is that dependent right now on what Zion's capable of. And you and I talked about it, Noah, just this, this guy is is on just such another level in terms of I'm, I've been trying to think about it. Barkley, I think, is coming the closest, in my opinion. But there's something about the the electricity that he generates with his quick jumps, his second jumps, 
his basketball skill, his soft touch. I, I mean, who's the guy? I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious for your opinion on this. Who's the guy that you think is, is really a great comp for, for Zion? I think, it, I think it is Barkley. So I was listening to Shaq's podcast today, which he, they did a special one last week, of course, with, with Kobe passing. So this one was done the Friday before the tragedy. And Shaq and his co-host, John Kincaid, mm-hmm. who I think is on another planet, but they said that Barkley, they were talking about superstars versus stars, and they both agreed that Barkley wasn't a superstar. Wasn't a superstar? Yeah, it was just was a star. And like David Robinson was just was a star. But I but I think that like Barkley <sighs> was a Barkley was a superstar because he had yes. the and it's not just superstar on the court. Like if you're a star with a with that personality, he made himself a superstar. I mean, this goes into a longer conversation that we're probably not going to get into. I'm curious about the qualifications in terms of how you determine what's a superstar. When you look at Charles Barkley and the fact that he was an MVP, he dominated when he needed to dominate, did incredible because he doesn't have a ring. Is that is that now what we're going to go back to? Because if you go by any other metric, any other eye test, any other student of the game, the idea that Charles Barkley wasn't a superstar, that's wow, that's the headline that we just buried right there no all right, so, and in so fact, me- i mean how many how many superstars then can we say ever played in the in the nba what is the is the list now jordan lebron and and kobe Shaq, maybe like i mean will uh, i i don't know that's that's wild to me that's what okay. they landed i'm gonna, you I'm gonna say go he's back. not a top 10 player of all time fine okay right can have that superstar superstar carries a little bit of, of different weight all right so what do you got on the uh, draft prospect side look it's going to seem very obvious but Duke, North Carolina, <clears throat> playing on Saturday. Ooh, uh, cool. Yeah, I mean, Cole Anthony uh, making his return. I think he was out 11 games for, for North Carolina. Uh, you know, people saw what he did as a, as a high school prospect on the EYBL scene. He just, they just had their show on Fox. I don't know if you caught any of that, Noah, but a uh, pretty good show. My guy Mike Talasian put together there on, on Fox where they, they went over the EYBL from a couple of years ago. And Cole Anthony is just a spectacular talent. I mean, he to me, he's the total package. He can score, he can distribute, he plays with tremendous confidence, but he's also a crazy student of the game. And when he gets cooking, there's no stopping this guy. And the fact that he's going to get a chance to go up against Trey Jones, the Duke point guard, who's also a, a very good NBA prospect. Uh, Trey Jones obviously has the pedigree with the family stuff, but also in addition to that, I just like his ability to control a team, good change of speeds guy. It's going to be a great matchup. And as I say, every single week, it's not just an NBA guy. It's an NBA guy going up against another potential NBA guy to really see how they measure up. And that's that's what scouts often look at. And on a completely different note, something that before we run, watching the Super Bowl on Sunday, mm-hmm. thinking about the the Joe Montana Super Bowl. So the Chiefs and and the Niners and how he had – Great success, both. Well, certainly more with the 49ers. I, I call it thinking, the Alex Smith well, Super now, Bowl myself. But okay. All right. The Alex Smith Super Bowl. Okay. Um, that's, a, that's an insult to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar because I think now we could have the Kareem NBA Finals. And, you know, Kareem over the past few years, and then, of course, Lakers-Bucks, but Kareem over the past few years has come out of his shell and has been so much more open to media. I think it would be pretty wild that you'd see 
just the irony of it, just Kareem would be everywhere during a Lakers Bucks NBA oh. Finals that would put Kareem would put Kareem at center stage. All right, coming up on Thursday, going ISO with Sixers fan and Sports Center anchor Kevin Nagandi, who goes way back to covering Kobe back in high school. So we'll talk to Kevin on Thursday. Also, you can go back and listen to all of those Going ISO podcasts, which are pretty much evergreen, which is in the business. That means there's no real timestamp on them. Just great story after great story from Ryan Rosillo and Peter Vesey and Earl Watson and so many others. Adam mentioned Kevin Willis before. And also make sure you're checking out Locked on NBA, Locked on Fantasy Hoops, those five days a week in Hollinger and Duncan with John Hollinger and Nate Duncan, especially as we're coming around the trade deadline. And all of the teams, all 30 teams every single day are must listen around the trade deadline and every other day. So that's the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Follow Adam on Twitter at NaysmithLives. I'm at Noah Kozlov, C-O-S-L-O-V. Adam, thanks, pal. I wonder if Clippers Bucks would be the J.J. Redick or the Eric Bledsoe NBA Finals. Thank you, Noah. You're the best, brother. You're the best.